Hello, 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 and welcome to the 10 Minute Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Stefan. Thank you so much for checking us out. Guys and girls and everyone in between. And then there were only two left. Golden State and Cleveland are in the finals for the fourth straight time. That's insane. First of all, last week's episode with Corey was very well listened to, so thank you everyone who has tuned in. I'll be getting Corey, Kevin, and Russell back on the podcast for another episode soon where we discuss one of the games of the NBA Finals. Now let's talk about how this marriage of Golden State and Cleveland in the Finals for, for the fourth straight time happened. So both Golden State and the Cavs took seven games to dispatch their opponents. Both were down three games to two before rattling off two straight wins, including Game 7's away on the road, which is pretty phenomenal. LeBron James pulled off a fantastic performance, but let's be real, his team absolutely needed him too. It happened just like I predicted on this podcast. I said that it would go to seven games and it would be pretty low scoring, which was the case. Um, The Celtics just didn't have enough offense to get over the hump in game seven, which I think was to be expected with both Gordon and Kyrie out. But the Celtics have a very exciting offseason to look forward to. No one really expected them at the beginning of the season when they lost Gordon Hayward and the midway of the season when they lost Kyrie. No one expected them to even be close to the Eastern Conference Finals. They thought, okay, maybe, you know, four or five seed, they'll get out in the second round. But somehow, through the genius of Brad Stevens, they were able to basically scramble together a lot of young, exciting talents capped with the veteran leadership of Al Horford, and they were able to make something happen. Now, it would be really interesting to see this offseason how they fully integrate Kyrie and Gordon into this team. And if I was Danny Ainge as the Celtics GM, this is how I think the Celtics will get better. If I'm the Celtics, I trade Terry Rozier right now while his stock is really hot. Now, he wouldn't really appreciate that. He played very well, except in Game 7, where he went 0 for 10 from 3, which is insane. But I think his stock is really hot right now, and you could get a great return for him. But even more, um, for him, I think it would develop him better as a player because then he would be able to get a good contract for himself. Um, He wouldn't have to come off the bench, and he could be a starter in in the NBA, which I think is what he wants. So I think that would be great for him as a player. If I'm Brad Stevens next season, I would bring Jalen Brown off the bench. I think you could also, if you're Danny Ainge, draft a center to back up Al Horford. Um, He played phenomenally and was very consistent all season long. But I think, you know, drafting a player to sort of bridge the gap between him as he gets older and that as the younger guys grow, I think would be a great pickup for them. Could you imagine a starting five next season of Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum? That's a pretty dominant starting five. And then if you need a spark, you rest Horford, you bring in Aaron Baines off the bench, you bring that fresh energy, and you bring in Jalen Brown or maybe Marcus Smart, Kyrie, Gordon, Jason Tatum. That's like people that can, like, all five positions can be able to switch, can guard every position. And then I think instantly that's the best team in the East. 
So I'm really excited for the Celtics and see what they do this offseason, see what they do with their draft pick. There could be some big moves happening in Boston. Um, So yeah, keep your eyes on that. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. So let's get to the Cavs. Um, Literally, LeBron could pick four random people off the street, and there's a good chance he could get to the NBA Finals next year. I'm not even kidding. I mean, his cast that he has is literally four random people off the street. Um, He is a force to be reckoned with. I'm not going to lie. I haven't been the biggest LeBron fan, but this season I think I've really appreciated what he's done on and off the court. Um, I think he's really cemented himself as one of the best players to ever play the game. He's definitely not the best. I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, I do think the East is way too easy. The fact that he could steamroll over Toronto with four in four games is like pretty sad. I mean, we talked about that a couple episodes ago, but... Um, even with the East being really easy, he's had to play his absolute best basketball in order to get drag this team kicking and screaming to the finals, which some people actually think help uh, helps improve his status as the GOAT, but I actually think it hurts it significantly because I think no one will argue that LeBron has had to do more with less, but I think that's actually his fault. So if you remember, um, after the Cavs won, he lobbied for JR and Tristan to get massive new contracts, which at the time, I and a lot of people in the league said, you know, I understand rewarding those players, but that's going to hamper you down the road because there's no way that you're going to get the same production from them um, after they get a massive contract. Think of it sort of like in the NFL, like the Joe Flacco effect. Leads his team to the Super Bowl, signs his massive contract, hasn't looked anywhere close to that uh, for the last couple of years since then. And so instead of upgrading to get better players at a cheaper price or even younger guys who, you know, would be durable and play some defense, they actually doubled down on LeBron's advice and look where it got them. Tristan is averaging six points a game in these playoffs and JR is averaging 8.5 points a game. And you're paying them $32 million a year, and you're on the hook for their contract for the next two years, I think. Um, you got a five-game loss in the NBA Finals last year. Um, their inability to produce led to a huge roster change this year, and they'll probably lose again in five games with both of those guys. And so LeBron will have the same number of losses as uh, in the Finals as MJ has wins. And so that's why I don't think he can be the GOAT. Is he a better player one-on-one? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Is he more of a, I mean, he's a hybrid of, you know, maybe Magic and and Michael a little bit. But the fact is, if you're the GOAT, you have to win at the highest level. And the fact that his roster sucks is his fault. So I think that counts against him. Um, I do think with a better constructed roster, I think LeBron and the Warriors could be splitting these four finals they've been in two to two. Um, But because the Cavs are hamstrung with such bad contracts, they're not going to get much better than the finals and bust every single year. So... Um, that's my thoughts on the Cavs. Now, big, big news this offseason with trying to figure out where LeBron will go. Um, I actually don't think he goes anywhere. Uh, well, we'll see. I think they take that pick that the Cavs have, I think they trade it, and Tristan, to the Clippers for DeAndre. And then I think they get Chris Paul. And if you have Chris Paul, DeAndre, and LeBron, that's a pretty solid starting big three. Throw in a Kevin Love, and that's pretty good. Um, I think he might have a deal in place where he will own the Cavs when he retires, and so I don't think I don't think he's really going to move teams. I think he needs help, and he needs players around him, and he needs to change his game so he doesn't have to do anything. But I will say this: there is one place that I would absolutely love to see him go if he goes anywhere. I think it's perfectly suited for him. It's just literally the perfect scenario, and that would be: could you imagine 
seeing LeBron James in Boston next year. I think if he wants to beat Golden State and win another championship, he would have to go to Boston. Could you imagine if you swapped Gordon Hayward for LeBron in that starting five? Or LeBron and Jason Tatum? Or LeBron, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown? Could you imagine? He gets to play with Kyrie again. They know how to play well. He has amazing coach in Brad Stevens, a fantastic GM, um, people he can really count on, a fan base that hates him because of how well he's done in Boston. I mean, he plays so well in that arena. I would absolutely love it. He could go down in the history books as one of the greatest Celtics of all time. I'm just saying. You heard it here first. I don't think it's going to happen. I would absolutely love it for, for it to happen. All right, let's talk about the Western Conference really quick. Um, the Warriors were able to beat the Rockets in seven games, obviously. Here are my thoughts. James Harden did exercise his playoff demons, I think. He played pretty well. He didn't shoot very well from three. Um, I think he definitely was gassed, especially game seven. Uh, mentally, I don't think he's on that next level yet. I don't think he's able to sort of elevate his game to the next level. I think he stays pretty consistent all year round which is, you know, good, but I think what we see from some of these top-level players, you know, your Katie's, your Steph's, your LeBron's, is that they're able to go to another level in the playoffs. Um, in Game 7 especially, it looks like he settled so much in that game for long threes and jump shots when he should have been driving to the rim. There is one play that the Rockets run that is unguardable, um, and that is James Harden driving into the paint, collapsing the defense, and throwing the lob to Capella. Literally nobody can guard that. Um, and they abandoned that so much in the second half when that's the only play they should have run again and again and again. I think James Harden relies heavily on shooting free throws in the regular season, but in the playoffs, a lot of those calls he's not going to get because they don't call them. And so I, I don't think you can rely on the refs to bail you out when you take those bad shots. You think there's contact, they're not going to call it. So that's my one knock against James Harden is that in order to take your game to another level, you can't rely upon free throws to get you there. You just really have to be able to um, see what the game has given you. If it's you're missing a lot from three, go into the lane, um, you know, throw the lob, swing the ball around, play off the ball, uh, and see what happens. I think this loss lies solely on Mike D'Antoni's shoulders. He didn't adjust the game plan at all, and they lived and they died by the three. It was so ugly to watch them miss so many shots. Um, I think losing a game when you're up by that many at halftime takes both you not executing and the Warriors executing, and that's how you lose a basketball game. And so I think they need to use their up-tempo offense, but they also think that they need to move away from all that one-on-one and... Um, get into their sets a little bit earlier in the shot clock and then to get the role players involved. And then if the play breaks down or if there's a mismatch, then you go into one-on-one. Get into the one-on-one way quicker. Don't dribble 40, 50 times between your legs um, You know, to, to get all that. You don't need to do that. You can do it in four dribbles and then you're able to swing the ball or get into that a lot quicker if they need to. I do think the Rockets' window is closed. Um... I don't think, I mean, they played the best basketball they could play, and they didn't beat Golden State. Um, I don't think you offer CP3 the max. Um, He played decently well in uh, this playoff series, but once again, he didn't show up for the big moments, not necessarily because he didn't play, but because he was out injured, and that's one knock against him. That will always be a knock against CP3. Is, Is he going to be there 
in the moments when you matter most because he's been injured and out with whatever. Um, and so I don't think you can offer him the max. I don't think he's worth it just because you don't know, you know, after the season if he's going to be around. Um, so I think you offer him maybe a three-year deal with a player option of for a fourth. Um, that's a little less than the max, and you offer Capel to the max. I think um, a big three of James Harden, Clint Capella, and CB3 for the next three years, I think, would get them pretty far in the Western Conference. Um, Daryl Morey found Gerald Green at like LA Fitness. So I think there's other guys like him that you can play and you can get on cheap contracts. Um, and so I'm interested to see what the Rockets do this off season. This gets me to the Warriors. I'm about to wrap up. I'm over my time, but so much to talk about. I think they had a couple of good games, and then they had four bad games, and I think they got bailed out at the end by Stephen Clay. Um, they need to run their offense and let KD and Steph go one-on-one whenever the play breaks down or whenever they have the mismatch, and they have to get into it a lot more quickly. I think KD and Steph got James, got James Harden happy, and it almost cost them. Um, you could see them settling for one-on-one long threes and nobody rebounding. Um, I do th- see them being more disciplined in the NBA Finals because it's the NBA Finals, but it was kind of ugly to watch uh, them there for a couple games. I think the Warriors do need rim protection next season. I don't think they need it in the NBA Finals because I don't think the Cavs have anybody really um, that they need, you know, in order to to play against. Uh, So I can see them maybe looking to get a guy fresh out of college or maybe somebody that's a little bit past their prime. I think they're going to win this NBA Finals in four to five games. Um, Think the Cavs-Spurs in 2007 sort of series. I think the words are showing that it is really hard to go to the postseason every year and be successful this many years in a row, especially in the Western Conference. Um, it's showing how these organizations are able to do it. You need a really good GM. You need a coach that's able to manage the guys and manage them well. And you need a little bit of luck. Um, and they have had some luck, you know, with uh, Ky- or Kawhi going out last season and CP3 going out this season. Um, but every team that has won a championship needs a little bit of luck. Um, I think the finals MVP will either be Steph or Clay Thompson. I think Clay might average 30 a, a night um, and shut down, you know, JR if he's guarding him. I don't think he'll guard LeBron, but maybe he will. But um, I can totally see either Steph or Clay Thompson getting the MVP. I do think the Warriors need to work on running their offense and getting rebounds. And I think if they do that, they're able to take this, um, you know, this soon-to-be NBA Finals win into the offseason and really get their head back together so they can be engaged in the regular season. So that is it for me in the 10-Minute Basketball Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out, and have a wonderful week.